Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And today we are going to tell you how to have a wine tasting at home that will be useful to you. Which is different than the way Rick does it, which is more like a wine gulping. A chugging. I like to think of it as a chugging. And plus, I'm not really much (laughs) used to anyone. But also today, besides uh, a wine tasting, not a chugging, we will have listener questions about wine clubs, bracing acidity, and a wine snob who always brings a wine no one likes. Plus, as usual... Oh, make fun of other wine snobs beyond that guy. Oh, boy. Although he sounds like a pretty good place he to start, He does indeed. He? Before we get too far, a reminder, last week we talked a little bit about the idea that despite the way many critics describe wines, many, many people just taste wines to find wines they like to drink or not drink. We are crazy men. Crazy We're mad men. Ma- we are wild guys. I'm telling you, the kinds of radical thoughts. In any case, and what we said was ignore all those wine teachings about examining color and picking out obscure fruits. Yeah, you remember this was the film Sideways. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't be, be Miles. Don't be it Miles. goes on and on and on yeah. about this stuff. You yeah. just want to know, does it taste good? Yep. I like it. If it yep. doesn't taste good, I don't like it. Yep. Yep, yep. And the point, you know, just deconstructing what's in the glass, that's fun. It's a really fun game, but it's a game. It's a game. It, you know, maybe, you know, if you're taking a test, it could be useful. But really, what you want to be asking yourself is, do you like it? And then, and then ask yourself, a really simple question is why? Or if you don't like it, same thing. What mm-hmm. stands out? It could right. be the texture. Is it smooth or rich? It could be that it reminds you of blackberry bushes. It could be something simply that it, it smells nice. could be the nice. fact that Rick gave it to you. And you well, just... you're going to love it then. You couldn't <laughs> help it. The charm that wine I like the way you said it. love it there. That, yeah. that, was, that was good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk about how do we do a wine well, tasting Well, let me just remind folks that in case they haven't heard that show, you can go back and listen. Since you're on our website, most likely That's you can true. find it in last week's show. All right. So let's talk about have a have a wine tasting at home. They're good little parties. They're a fun deal. Um, and they, these are guidelines because as with everything in wine uh, and then as with everything that comes from us, take it with a grain of salt. Two rules. Uh, two rules. Two rules. Okay. Your rules? Number one, don't wear a ton of cologne. It's a good rule. Yes. Yes. No. If no. you sit down next to me at a wine tasting and I can smell you from across the room— that's a bad thing. I, I for try me. not to sit. You spill, so I try well, to sit. Well, and and Rick, you they can smell you from across the room. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's that <laughs> in fact, I would bathing thing. I, I, I would suggest do that more. you you do should probably wear some cologne. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, no, seriously, it is. You know, it's and often people go to parties or you know it's a nice night. You put on a little cologne or perfume, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, go, yeah, dial go it light. Back. Yeah. Go yeah. light. Um, and then, and a your little second dabble, rule? do you? Your second, second rule is no wine snobs. No wine snobs. No wine snobs. I agree. I agree. No wine snobs. Those for sure. Absolutely. I would say. If I had to choose. Between the, the perfume and you go with the perfume. I'd go with the perfume in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what you do if the wine snob shows up, you take some perfume, you spray it in his face. Bye <laughs> <laughs> bye. Drive him right out. Bye bye. Yeah, that <laughs> pesticide will work too. Just a little, little can of raid. <laughs> there should be wine snob away. Wine snob away. <laughs> yes. Wine snob repellent. Oh, this is good, Rick. We have some money here. All right. That's right. Excellent. Matt, I hope you're taking notes in there. Okay. Um, uh, now, I would suggest also, yeah, and no wine snobs, and, and there's another way to go at this, too, but I would really try to get people that are more or less in the same ballpark uh-huh. in that, because you'll end up thinking about, talking about the wine more or less in the in the same way. I know that you and I have talked about this in the past, and you suggest if you can find someone yeah. who can guide guide it, it's cool, too. Yeah, but it has to be somebody who can do that in a way that's going to make everybody feel comfortable. If you end up with somebody who goes in there and whose primary job seems to be to make everyone understand how 
how really brilliant he is and yeah. how much he knows about wine. And we always say he because those people are usually he's. inevitably he's. Usually he's. Yeah. 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 That's where you need the wine snob away. Yes. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Available on our website. Only only twenty nine dollars a can. <laughs> yes, we got carefully curated. <laughs> we, we, need, we definitely need to get that. I mean, seriously, you just re you just you just, you just relabel a can of pestis. I mean, raid or something. And you're, you're gonna, uh, all right. Um, another point too, I think, um, is that that and this is a big big deal. Is that it's not a competition. Right. You were telling me once how you were at, uh, whether it was a class or something, and that somebody was very proud that they had voted for the wine that people liked the most. Right, which is ironic because, of course, usually in a small group like that, what happens is if you voted for the wine you liked the most, then chances are more people that wine already got one of the votes. Right. So right. it's Good a self fulfilling yeah. po- prophecy. Change your vote, and you might make another wine the most popular. So don't get. But yeah, it doesn't key, do any good. Right. And the key, of course, is that it isn't a competition. It isn't a competition, and by voting for the wine that the other people like the most, what you may just be saying that you all share the equally bad taste. Yes. Why not just pick one well, that you an like? Equal, we're, no, not a bad taste because that puts a value on it. You, you all share an equal taste. Yes, but some of the people who are so excited to win would like to point out that they have better taste than yes. the others. And, in fact, they have exactly the same taste as the others uh, or they because, wouldn't have right, won. Right. You, you can't – right. No, you're not better than anybody. But, but our point is that this is about you – Dear listener. It's always about me, Rick. <laughs> no, no, not you, Paul. You are a listener helping yourself find wines that Finds, you like. That's right. And so and it, have fun doing it. And have fun doing it. So it really it's not a test. It's not a competition. There's no right or wrong in what your choices are. Right. The idea is to, to, for you to say, I like this wine. I didn't like this wine. Right. And, and So no snobs, no perfume, no competition. Right. How would you organize it? All right. So here's what I would do. Now, uh, we, we have different different thoughts on this, but what we do think is that we agree that it don't do it randomly. It's not just any any five wines or have everybody pick a wine from the, from the supermarket. Try to do something that can teach you something about something. Right. <laughs> At least once a year. Yes, it's, it is my goal. It is my goal. So, in other words, not listening to us because <laughs> you want to well, learn something. This does not count this as one of the one is, things that you'll is, do that will help you learn this, something. This isn't going to give you those points. No. <laughs> So, in other words, like mine would be, for example, is take, you know, get five or six of the same varietal. Right. You need a little help maybe finding different versions of the same varietal. Uh But, you know, five or six Chardonnays, five or six Cabernets Uh from maybe Uh different places or different styles or possibly different price points, although we talk about the difference in price sometimes not making the wine any different. Right. But, you know, or maybe the same wine in different ages. You Uh know, something Uh that where you have – you're comparing like to like. Right. And then – Or rather similar to similar. Similar to similar, right. Right. Because then you get to decide what you like. And then – you, then let's say it's Sauvignon Blancs. You've tasted right. s- six different Sauvignon Blancs. And if you like them all, now you know something. You like Sauvignon Blanc. Right. And if you like none of them— Or you could be like Rick because he drinks everything. That's true. Well, yeah, I, as long as they, it's open. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not open, it's harder. <laughs> but right. I, I try. I try. That's right. Um, and then uh, the next thing is so. And then if you like some of them, then remember which they are. And then if there's nobody there because you didn't find a, a, a genteel wine expert, n- next time you do say I like these and I didn't like these. And what does that say? What does that about, tell me? Yeah, that's right. What can I do? Okay, so I have a different plan. I say go in and buy five or six different wines 
and each one of them should be a different kind of grape. No? Pick a Syrah, a Merlot, a Pinot Noir, a Cabernet, a Merlot, and a Tempranillo or something. Should they be at the same price or a different price? Uh, I like the same price. Okay. And just pick different different grapes. Put them all in bags because you have to do this blind. Well, and, and we should go backwards, too. Um, in, in doing this, I think we both agree, either style. It's not a bad idea, at least the first time through, to get re- relatively common sort of mainstream wines, yeah. only yeah. since because they're going to give you sort of a, a place to start. Well, and I need to clarify that when I say a blind tasting, the bags go over the wine, not over the tasters' heads. See, See that explains so much why I can't ever get that wine in. I get I, and just trying to suck it through the bag doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Plus, I got to get a big bag. You That's know? right. So you put the wine in bags. You number them. If you're really smart, what you do is you put the wines in the bags, and somebody else comes through and numbers them, so nobody knows what's in them. And you go through and you just taste them all, and you just judge them based on not what the label looks like, not how heavy the bottle is, just do I like this flavor? Don't I like this flavor? And when we went, you know, my wife and I years ago. We actually were lucky enough to exchange houses with a family in France, in Paris. And we went into the grocery store, and there were 500 wines on the supermarket shelf in Paris, and I recognized maybe 100 of them. And I just walked in and bought 12 different wines that were all between 5 and 10 bucks a bottle in France, and we just took them home. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, we're playing around. We're having fun. We're just figuring it. So we just tasted a bunch of wines, and we had a wonderful adventure. Yeah, and this and is a version of that. And, you know, right. and the thing is that we, we, all, we often have a fear that we're going to get taken or we're going to drink the wrong, wrong wine or whatever. There's no wrong wine. In this case, the other thing to do is when you're – now that you've experimented is write yourself some kind of a note – about what you liked about it right. or what you didn't like about it. Right. And and whether you liked it, you might even write how much you liked it. Yep. If you if you yep. and, and and this is because you want to remember. Now we go back to our not voting. Now is right. not, what I what I would like, although I think other people might not. So but my suggestion would be is now go wine by wine and talk about them just a little bit. Not who voted for this one. Don't ask that question. You know, but, I taught a class once, uh, a music appreciation class, and one of the students said, you know, why— You do taught we... a music appreciation class. I did. People don't know that this guy used to be a and concert I, and guitar and, player. And, and one of the students, the first day of class, said, why do we need to talk about this stuff? And I said, you know, it's like going on a hike through the forest. And somebody hikes fast and is always looking around to see where the peaks are in the distance. And somebody else is walking slow and noticing where the mushrooms are on the floor. And if you don't stop and talk to each other, one of them misses the peaks and one of them misses the mushrooms. So that's why you talk about this stuff. Doesn't mean anybody's right. Just means you're sharing stuff that you may have noticed. You know, I, I, I go, I'm looking at the mushroom and I often walk into a tree. Yes, you do. It's not, yes, it's or not, the back of the hiker in yes, front of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they need to signal more. <laughs> in signals. Yes. It's a lost art. It's a lost <laughs> That's art. But yep. I, and, I, and I, once again, don't, you know, I really don't like the notion, and some people might, but I like that it's like who liked wine number one. I Don't ask because there's going to feel like this group pressure, but it says who has a thought on wine number one? Right. Right. That's and, right. And it helps to hear what other people say. You know, say. there's a very simple system to do this, which is if you sit around in a circle, you simply take turns. Wine, we're going to talk about wine number one first, and I'm going to talk about it first, and we'll go around the table. And everybody who has something to say about wine number one will say it. Wine number two will start with the next person. Wine number three, start yeah. with the next person. Sure. And if you don't have to have a comment, if you don't want. The idea, no. so once again, this is really all about 
uh, about you deciding for yourself what you like. What you like. And then, of yep. course, then we use the Rick cell phone method, which is the wines that you right. like. You know that you like, you go take a picture of them. So you have them as a reference. Right. Vertical. And, and the wines that you didn't like, you turn your phone horizontally right. and you take a picture of those. And the right. wines that you don't care about, you don't have to take a picture of. Right. Yeah. And, and I have one other little sort of trick to end off this conversation with, which is that at the end of the tasting, I love drawing hats, uh, drawing the names out of a hat. And whoever gets their name pulled first gets to take what's ever left in that bottle home. And then you go around the table and everybody gets a bottle to take home. And it's fun that well, way. Well, see, this is the difference between you and I, Paul, because if there's a bottle that's open, there's nothing to take there's home. There's nothing to take home at your house, yes. is there? Right? Yeah, you can also just go ahead and keep drinking wine, too. But have some food. <laughs> maybe maybe take a tag cab six or Six people, Uber six bottles of wine. Version, yeah. You better take an Uber home. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, yes. Uh, that is and, – and, and just keep remembering that you are not going to agree with everyone and it's supposed to be that way. That's right. And they're because not, Rick and I agree with no one. Well, yes. I, I agree that no one should agree with us <laughs> if that, that is – all right. Well, if that is any kind of agreement, uh, I think we should agree to move on to questions. Do we have some? We do have some questions. Cool. And uh, you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Thank you for that. If you'd like to ask us a question and are not on our lovely website, you should go to our lovely website, which is rickandpaulwine.com, all yep. one word. Yep. And if you are there, what is holding you back from asking us a question? All right. This first one is from Raphael in Sacramento. Yes. This is a, a, a guy. Uh, he's a nice guy. And he was asking me this. And he, he was talking about a guy he liked. So this, uh-huh. was not, this is not a horrible a wine snob. It's a friend. A but friend. he was a snob. A wine guy, one of those wine snobby guys. This is a question. So he says, this is Raphael now. This is a question about the right social behavior. I want to know what what to do with my friend. He's kind of a wine snob, and he always brings me wines I don't like. Should I say (laughs) anything? He's always telling me where he got it and how much it costs, but I usually don't like them. What should I do? So one thing is if your friend's bringing you gifts and telling you how much they cost, your friend needs to back off on that part of things because you shouldn't be talking about how much they cost. But Although often the wine snob thinks that he's telling you his taste by telling you how much he spent on a wine. That's right. And once again (laughs) – Needs to back needs off. Needs to on back that. off. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is, and this is the problem for Raphael. If he tells this guy, "I don't really care for these wines," there's no guarantee the guy isn't going to come back and say, "Okay, I found a new one that I'm sure," because he's gonna, he's, he's educating poor he Raphael. He feels yeah. the need yeah. to educate Raphael, and what Raphael needs to do, I think, is find a few wines he really likes and say to the guy, "You know what." This is the kind of wine I really like. Yeah, I, I think that's a nice thing to do. It's also maybe a nice thing to do when the wines aren't there. I think that your uh-huh, your wine snob uh-huh. friend is going to be more because he's a friend. He's not you don't just see him around wine. It sounds like, and right. um, is that when he didn't just bring the wine, he's going right. to be a little less sensitive to the suggestion. So say, hey, by the way, you know, I found a couple wines I really liked, and there were these. And I got to tell you, you know, sometimes you bring wines, and I think they're just over my head. It's a way of making Raphael, Raphael, a way of making your friend feel good about his choices right. yeah. by saying they're just clever. over my head. Yeah. So and I a good think time to do this would be like near the end of the season, watching a Kings game on television. You're into your third beer. Yeah, I was gonna say a beer is always a good. Uh, you're into good your third version. beer, and you turn to him and you say, "You know, Fred, I've always." Been, 
those wines, you know. I, no, 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 no I, I, you're, you're, you just, you want to brawl. <laughs> you're you're going to get these guys thrown out is what you're doing. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I really wish I could like them, but I, just, I try and I try, just not my style. Yeah. I, I like the, I like the over my, make, make him feel good about his being wrong. <laughs> or, or being, or being not, Fair not reading, not reading the land. Fair enough. All right. So the answer is yes. You should say something, Raphael, but very, very delicate. Yeah, and maybe not when he brought them. Right. Yes. Or yep. you know, just when he brings them, open yourself a beer. <laughs> okay. This next one is from Mary Kay in Lake Forest, which is uh, right down there next to Irvine. Yep. What are the advantages and disadvantages of a winery wine club? Okay. Well, there are many. Yes, there are. Yes. I'm going to say a couple of things. Uh, a good wine club will get you access to wines that you can't get any other way. And if you really like that winery, excuse me, wines, that's a really cool thing to get some special sort of collector style wines. Good wine clubs will also include, in addition to just shipping you wine every once in a while, should also include a couple of events that will make you feel like you're part of something yes. special. Beyond the pickup party, there'll be a couple other things. Those That's are the right. good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, a bad wine club, you may find that the wines you're getting are available in the local supermarket, and you could have bought them just as easily at the supermarket and maybe for a little less money. Uh, and it doesn't give you anything other than they've got your credit card and they're shipping you wine. That, to me, doesn't feel like a club. That kind of feels like somebody's just selling me wine. Yeah, I think— That sounds like Wine of the Month Club. And, you know, it's easy to get tired of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's fair to say most of the upstanding wineries um, throughout throughout the country, really— um, they're pretty pretty solid about their wine clubs. Wine clubs mean a lot to them financially, yep. and they, they do they want do. to treat their people right because they don't want them to leave. And so generally, right. they are going to offer you good wines, and so, you'll, you'll so, get a real discount. So let me ask you a question, Rick. Do you belong to a wine club? I don't. No. I, I work for a wine company. Though. Well, and and admit it, you tried to join three wine. They clubs. won't let me. They wouldn't let they, you. They thought it was bad for the reputation. <laughs> I, I said I'd pay double, and they, they said no. no I'm no, sorry. No, get out. We don't want get anybody out. to know. Get that out, 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 out. In fact, they said don't don't ever darken our door. <laughs> That's what they said. So so and to summarize, I think there's one other point. See what what. Depending on how much wine you drink, uh, it's another, you know, if you, you're required to buy six or 12 bottles a year, that sort of thing. Right. And so if you are going to drink, you know, uh, like I do, six or 12 bottles a week. A day. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a week, Paul. Come on. Let's <laughs> not, not overdo this. Well, depends on the day. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, and so you, the trade-off is you may be getting, you know, a, 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 a good supply of decent wine or good right. wine at a good price. Right. But it's generally going to be in one style. And so you, your options for drinking other wines My adventure of going to Paris and buying 12 wines I never had before in my life, that isn't going to happen. Yeah, not like at least, you know, and so it just depends, you know, it depends sort of your tolerance for the flow of wine as well. Yep. Uh, if you're around my house— it's not, not an, issue. an issue. Not an issue. Not an issue. All right. Well, speaking of issues, we're going to have some with some of the horrible wine writing that's coming right up. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and we thank you for that. All right. So we've got some really horrible wine writing because that music says it is really horrible time. So what really horrible things you bring in, Paul? Well, I had somebody the other day who I was reading said this wine was a very composed wine. 
uh, the the orchestra came in perfectly. Not and, clear. Uh, it wasn't clear whether what you know the Australians use a term called concocted, which makes it sounds like it, this is a wine that was created by blending in a magic laboratory somewhere rather than making wine. But I wasn't sure whether composed meant that the wine was serene. Mm-hmm. Oh, as if it. It's- Kept to itself well. It, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, see. I see. Or whether it meant that it was composed of the right things. In other words, it had all the right pieces and all the right places. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I sat there thinking, this isn't a word that helps me understand what the wine is. So why would we ever use it? Yeah, I, I have no idea what it means. So I'm I do know what happens that if you leave a wine that isn't composed well, eventually it starts to decompose. A, a decomposed wine would be would mean something. That, that is that, something you know. you'd want to. So maybe avoid. what it means is it's a not decomposed not wine. Decomposed yes, wine. so the wine's not spoiled. <laughs> All right, there you go. All okay, right. I'll bet you've got something too. Well, this is from a website that has a bunch of its own semi-fake brands, you know, and they're all named after some place of nature, like you know. Hidden Vale Mountaintop Wines. Rivers Crest? Yes, something like that, right? <laughs> and what they do is they, you know, they buy some bulk wines, they bottle them, and they're, you know, they sell. This is, I love this though. Okay. We found this wine with a hallowed sense of, of terroir. Each different, unique site shouts its name. And the varieties are carefully nurtured and optimally picked, and meticulously and vigilantly handcrafted into wines with a distinct and individual nature of its birthplace. And here's the thing. It's a red blend with no varietal appellation. <laughs> doesn't tell you the grape. doesn't tell you where it's from. But it shouts its carefully. Where is it? It shouts its name or, uh, yeah. Are you sure? Shouts its name. Are right? you sure that wasn't a typo and it was supposed to be a hollowed sense of terroir <laughs> yeah, instead yeah. of a hallowed sense yeah. of terroir? So what Talk this about was. empty words. What this was, this is, it was classic. It was like they had the, the dictionary of. Uh, wine words that we're supposed to use. The, the spin, uh, the spin, yes, yeah, spin, spin the wheel words, and pick right. a word. Optimum, meticulously and vigilantly handcrafted into wines with the distinct and individual nature of its birthplace, which they won't tell us what it is. Right. That's, that's, um, you see that one a lot. And Our, each uni- unique site shouts its name. Yes. I once had a Hi, wine writer. my name is Tim. <laughs> once had a wine writer hold the glass up to his ear and say, you know, this wine isn't shouting it's anything shouting. to me. Yeah. All right, uh, we uh, we uh, we got time for another question or two. I Good. think we got one for sure. So if you are back to questions, if you'd like to ask us one, go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine. Uh, this is from Cheryl in Healdsburg. Uh, she says, I'm always seeing winemakers and people brag about their wines having bracing acidity, like it's a good thing. What do I, <laughs> why do I want that? I want a wine that's rich and smooth. I don't want it to be sour. Well, Cheryl is absolutely right. And in fact, what the market research says is that people who um, – one of the words they least like to see on the back of a wine bottle is acidity. They are terrified of that word. Yep. So here, so the answer to your question, Cheryl, is people say it because there is a place in the world for wines of bracing acidity. And the example I would use is that when you get a lovely fish fillet on your plate, breaded, fried – it looks delicious. It's delicate. And on the plate is a little slice of lemon. And that lemon is there as a counterpoint to the oiliness of the fish. And some people like to drink a white wine that tastes a lot like that lemon with that fish to give them the counterpoint and the, yes, bracing acidity. Yeah, lemonade might be another good example, a bright lemonade. you know. And, and the thing is that, um, that acidity in wine is a good thing. And certainly— uh, It can not, be. Yeah, it can be. But—, but all wines have some acid, and I think of, I always use this example: the difference between orange drink 
like Kool-Aid and orange juice. And you know orange juice has acid because if you brush your teeth in the morning and then it have hurts. your orange juice, it's it's. But it gives it sort of a. It also makes it a, gives it a freshness. And so right. so but, that's kind of a bit. But what to Cheryl's point, yeah. she doesn't like wines like that, and she doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, she yeah. wants it to be rich and smooth and. F- Fair enough. But that is why they do make some wines with bracing acidity. Yes. So and and the the thing too is often that the the people that that brag about that or like that, they they're looking for something different because they drink a lot of wine, so looking for wine that's not like the wines that a lot of other people, you know, tend to drink that's rich and smooth. And that's that's the downside to being in the business or around the business or having so much wines is that sometimes what you like is what's different, but but regular people aren't looking for different yet. They're just looking for hmm. wine they like. Hmm. Uh, okay, here's a quick one. This is from Alan in San Francisco. This is a good one. When did a corkscrew <laughs> become a wine key? All my quote-unquote cool friends, please include the air quotes, he says, all say wine <laughs> key now, and they look at me like I'm a fourth grader when I say I have a corkscrew. <laughs> That's a really good one, Alan. Alan I call it. I call it a corkscrew, but but and everyone always looks at me like I'm a fourth grader. But I think that's just natural. They just look at you. Yeah. You say no matter what you say, they look that's at you true. like a fourth grader. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's I've graduated. Usually, it's third grader. <laughs> um, I got me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is this is there. There is a particular kind of corkscrew that uh, sommeliers use that actually is, in my opinion, the best kind of corkscrew. It's small, fits in your pocket works really flawlessly. Um, and I think that's probably... But, yeah, wine key, you know, I, I used to have a relative in Europe who made these very ornate um, wrought iron keys that if you looked at them carefully realized you could pull out one end and it became a corkscrew. And he used to call it the key to happiness. So yeah, when well, your you friends go. start talking about the wine key, you should say, oh, I don't have a wine key. I have a key to happiness. And yeah. pull out your corkscrew and... Yeah, but, but Alan, you're right, and it'll it'll you know another couple of years it'll be something else. It'll be the the, the wine unzipper. I don't know, but it's it is what the cool Actually, kids the say. Italian term is wonderful. It's called cavatappi. Start you know, calling it that. Start calling. Oh, you don't have a wine. You have a cavatappi. Yeah, that they won't make fun. Make, they won't make fun of you there. That is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the serial use. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word. And remember, that is our website if you're there, so ask us a question. If you learned anything today, we hope it's that wine tastings are all about you finding wines you like. Nothing more. And they're not a competition. You wouldn't know that by us. There are no losers in wine tasting. However, just like listening to our show, I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us.